Dear Lord, that is our prayer, um, that we want to stand faultless before your throne uh, when uh, you come again. And so, Lord, uh, help us um, to, to know how that can happen and uh, make that clear to us today as we look at your word. And I pray all this in Christ's holy name. Amen. All right. So you guys are going to have to um, indulge me a little bit this morning. Uh, our passage for today is in uh, Luke chapter 6, um, but we're going to take uh, a long road in getting there um, because to really understand what, uh, what Jesus is saying in his sermon here at the end of his sermon in Luke 6, we need to have a good grasp of a big a bigger biblical teaching, okay? And so we need to look at some other passages um, to see um, what they say and then how that um, can be interpreted in light. It'll help us interpret what Jesus is saying um, in Luke uh, 6. And so I'm going to start in Matthew 13, another place where Jesus is teaching. And in Matthew 13, uh, starting in verse 47, um, Jesus is he's going through um, some different um, parables here, um, explaining the kingdom of heaven. Um, and so in Matthew thirteen forty seven, Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net um, that is thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so Jesus is saying that mankind were like the fish. And in the end of time, what's going to happen is there's going to be like a, a big catch of all of mankind and there's going to be a sorting um, there's going to be a sorting of the good fish that get put in the good containers. Um, this is representative of heaven and being in God's presence. Um, and then there's the bad fish that are thrown away um, into the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, and so uh, that is representative of hell. Um, and, and these are, are topics that are hard to talk about because we don't like to think about it sometimes. Um, but that the, the reality that there, in the end there's going to be a judgment and that God will judge. Uh, and we will either be found guilty before him or we will be found good. Um, and so uh, when we see passages like this, it tells us that we need to uh, really examine this. Because if, if, if we believe what Jesus says to be true, and Jesus is saying this, then it means that this is true, and this is going to happen. And so we need to, for our own lives, um, and then also for the lives of the people we love um, and we care about, we need to care about this. Um, so the question then becomes, well, how do we get to be in that good group? Um, because I don't think many of us hear the weeping and gnashing of teeth part and say, ooh, sign me up for that. That's what I want. I want the weeping and gnashing of teeth. That does not sound pleasant at all. Um, and so we want to be in the good group. We want to be in the useful group. But how do we get there? Is it just by being good enough? Is it by being moral people? Um, is it by uh, keeping God's rules? Um, it, how do we do it? Well, in Romans um, chapter 8, verse 1, uh, Paul uh, says this um, to the Romans, explaining this. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So those who are in the bad group, the group that are going to be cast out, um, the group that get the weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's obviously condemnation. And so Paul is saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say there's no condemnation for those who are good enough. He said that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So then the next question is, well, then how do we get to be in Christ Jesus? Because obviously that's where I want to be. If that's the good group, um, then put me there. So let's flip over to Ephesians um, 2. And if you can't flip that fast, I'll just read it to you. But in Ephesians 2, um, starting in verse 8, Paul explains how this happens, how you get to be in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So Paul is saying, you cannot work hard enough, be good enough, keep the rules well enough to get to be in the good group. The only way is by the grace of God and faith in Christ Jesus that you get to be in Christ Jesus and get to be a part of that group. So, but what is grace? Grace means that it's a free gift, that it's something that God gives us. It's not something that we earn. It's something that he gives us. And that's a beautiful thing. For it's by grace you have been saved. Saved means you've been removed from that group of condemnation and brought in to the good group, the useful group, the group that gets to be in heaven. But you've been saved through faith. So what is faith? Is faith just believing? Well, I believe something, so therefore I'm good, right? Well, maybe we need to to ask then, what it is that we need to have faith in. And Paul answers this in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, where he tells us, um, he's, he's talking to the, the Corinthians. This is a church that, that he had established, and he came in and he preached the, the gospel. Gospel is a, a biblical word that means good news. Um, so he had preached the good news to them, and then after he left, some other people came in trying to tell them, yes, Paul said that, but it's really this also, or he didn't really have this part right. And so Paul wrote them this letter to try to straighten it out, and he says in, in chapter 15, verse, starting in verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so he's saying, remember what it is, where your salvation comes from, what it is that brought you into the good group, out of the condemnation group. Um, what what what, What brought you there? Here it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. And he goes on and keeps talking about the appearances of Christ after the resurrection. So, what does our faith need to be in? Our faith needs to be in that gospel and that good news that's been preached to us. Um, The fact that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, but yet paid the punishment for sin by dying on the cross. And his death uh, was made in our place. 
and we know that that payment, we know that he fully died because he was buried. Um, And then we know that that payment was received because he rose from the dead. We know that he rose from the dead because he appeared to all these people. And that's been passed on to us. And so it is faith in that that puts us in Christ Jesus. So put it all together. So if we want to be in the good stack of fish, then we need to be in Christ Jesus. We get to be in Christ Jesus by the grace of God, giving us faith in Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and the proof that we have of that. So we want that. We want that faith. But the thing about faith is it's not something you can really see, right? So how do you know if you have that faith? How do you know if you are found in Christ Jesus? Is it just intellectual? Is it just something in your head? Or is there something more? And so that is where we finally come to our passage for today. So that was all the introduction. Now we will get into the message for today. So we're in Luke um, chapter 6, starting in verse 43. And Jesus is, is answering that question through this passage of how do we know if we have that saving faith in our lives. Verse 43, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked up from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what Jesus says is what comes out of your life, how you act, the words you say, the things you do, represent what's going on on the inside. Um, In 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17, it tells us um, that when you're in Christ Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. There's a change that takes place. So, When Jesus comes into your life, when his grace is applied to you, when you have that faith in him, you also get his spirit. His spirit comes and his spirit changes you. It changes you on the inside. And then what happens to what comes out? It changes as well. Sometimes it doesn't change as fast as we want it to. Sometimes there's still some of that old that that lingers around But overall, we can know a tree by its fruit. We can know if Christ is in our life by what's coming out of our life. We can know if we're in Christ Jesus based on what's coming out. So if Jesus has changed the internal, then you cannot help but change the external. It's the natural progression of things. But if you see no change in the external, then there's good reason to question if any change has happened in the internal. And this is what makes it it hard for us, um, especially when we have loved ones who we do not see that change in. We don't have the hope for them in that time of the sorting of the fish. That's hard. Because we love them. We care about them. We want them to have the same hope that we have. So that's why we pray for them. That's why we constantly share that gospel with them. 
That's why we ask God to, by his grace, give them that faith. That salvation is something that comes from him alone. That he is the only one that can do it, not us. No matter how much we want to, no matter how much we want to pull and drag and just say, please, please get this, we can't. But the part that God has given us to do, those of us who have this faith, is to share it. To live it out. To demonstrate it in our life by the way that we live. But also to demonstrate it by speaking it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're expecting our loved ones to just get it by seeing us live, they won't. They need to hear it from us as well. They need to hear the truth from us. But Jesus didn't just leave it um, there. He didn't just say, look at the tree and the fruit. He goes on, uh, and he really spells it out in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? We all either are or know people who are this person. That we cry out, Lord, Lord, you know, come sing the songs, say, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but yet not follow what he says. Now we know, we know for a fact that we are not saved by keeping any rules. We just covered that with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But we stop before verse 10 that says we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, created to do good works. So it's for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves as a gift of God. But why did he do that? Why did he recreate you? So that you can do good works. All right? So we, we can fall victim of saying, you know, well, it's, you know I'm saved by, by grace alone through faith alone. I fully agree with that. But that saving grace and faith is never alone. It comes with it obedience. Obedience to Christ. You're not going to want to continue to live in the same way. You're going to be changed. Uh, One pastor said it this way. We cannot live the life until we first possess it. We cannot live the life until we first possess it. And so as God makes that change in your life, then you're able to to live in the way that he's instructed. Once you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, then you're able to follow God's word. So if we go to our unbelieving loved ones and we just try to make them moral, if we try to just tell them, well, this is what God says you should do, well, they can't keep that because they don't have the spirit. They're going to continue to mess up in that. And so our our goal is not to make them moral. Our goal is to see them come to Christ and become holy. And that happens through him working in their lives, just like it happens in our lives. So coming to Jesus means striving to live like him. If we are children of the Father, we should live like it. It's pretty clear. So how did Jesus live? Well, he never sinned. He was perfect. Um, and, uh, but why, why does all this really matter? You know, like, you know, why can't we just say, well, you know, Jesus is good at forgiving. I'm good at sinning. So we have a good relationship going, you know, like, why, why don't we just go that route with it? 
Because here's what he says next, verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, that's very fitting around here in the last couple of days. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I think we've all seen this. I know I have as a pastor. I've seen people who profess the same thing. Two people that both would say Jesus is Lord. But when the storm came, one of them stood strong because they had a solid foundation on Christ, on the rock. But the other crumbled because they did not have that foundation. Theirs was just a verbal thing. It was not a heart thing. They had not truly been changed. Their life had not truly um, been made new. They were not living in obedience to Christ. And so when that storm arose, their house crumbled. The house, of course, represents our lives. And we should know that our lives are only as sturdy as the thing they're built on. And so I ask you, what is the thing that is sturdy enough to build your life upon? Is it um, maybe your spouse or significant other? What happens when that person is gone, either by divorce or uh, by death? What happens to your life if you've built everything on that person? Your kids, raising your kids. I see a lot of um, empty nesters in here that have, have gone through this. But if you build your whole life around raising up your children, what happens when they're gone? Which hopefully they do go at some point. But what happens when they're gone? What happens to your life if that is what your life is built on? Um, Is your life built on living in the beautiful Okanagan, having a house or apartment or wherever you live here? Is that what your life is built on? Well, what happens when we have one of the infamous Western Canada forest fires that wipes out everything? What happens to your life then? The point is... That our lives are only as sturdy as the thing that they're built on. And I've only found one thing that is sturdy enough to build my life upon. And that's the one who says he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And that's Jesus. He's the only one that can hold up. Everything else fails at some point. Anyone who builds, anyone who's built a house or knows anything about building, knows that the foundation is the most important part. Um, the house we had before we moved, 
um, it was getting a little older and the, the ground had settled and the, the foundation had cracked in one spot. And so that meant that certain doors in the house would stick and just certain things didn't work exactly right. It was just going to be a little bit older house because there was a problem with the foundation. Other things were getting messed up. Same is true in our lives. Whatever it is that we have as the foundation that we're building our life on is going to affect everything else in our life. If that is a solid foundation, well, when the storms come, which they will come, Jesus doesn't say if the flood comes. He says when. The flood will come. The storm will come. Will you be able to stand up in it? Will your life hold fast? Because that's what we want. We want to have that firm foundation. And I invite you today that if you don't feel like you have that in your life, you can. It's as simple as saying, yes, Lord, I believe The song we sang, I believe in in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the resurrection. If we believe that in our lives, that's the faith. And then along with that, we ask him for his forgiveness of all the ways that we've done him wrong. So if you've never done that in your life, I invite you to do that today. Why wait any longer? And then, once we have that foundation, are we building on it? Are we growing in that faith? Are we growing in that knowledge? Are we seeing the fruit come from the trees of our life? If not, why not? If we are, how can we produce more? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the gift that you gave us in Jesus and the fact that he is the one that we can base our lives upon, that he is the one who is holy. He is the one um, who will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He does stand up to every test. And it's on that that we can build our lives. And Lord, I I pray that as we, even, even those of us who know you, who have that foundation, we're so tempted to let other things creep in. Idols and different, of different kinds creep into our lives that take the place that you deserve to be in. And so, Lord, I pray that we put all of those aside and that we keep you as number one in our life, that we maintain the foundation that you have laid for us and we don't try to move from it. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be obedient. Show us the areas where we're not. Help us to confess those things. Help us to be forgiven. Because we thank you that you are the God who forgives. You are the God who gives us grace and mercy and faith. And we thank you so much for that. Lord, as we prepare to take uh, communion Just prepare our hearts. Show us any way in us that is wrong. Um, Help us to confess those things to you as you instruct us in Scripture to do. Prepare our hearts just to be reminded.
of the sacrifice that you took upon yourself in Jesus Christ to die for us. Thank you, Lord.